The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today, we have a special friend of mine who has been with Leading Conversations in the past. We've actually interviewed him several times, and I am privileged to say that he's back with us again. Barnett Bain is a filmmaker and an author who has built his career telling spiritually-themed stories, and his success is beyond what most people would expect in that category. And he's so well-respected in the film industry and throughout the world. And we are so excited to have him here today to talk about his new project. Welcome, Barnett. Thank you, Cheryl. What a fabulous introduction. I'm looking around to see who you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, you're so humble, my friend. You're so humble. It's great to be with you this morning. It's so good because it's such an exciting time for me. Absolutely. So, Barnett, where are you today? I'm home in Los Angeles. Um, It's a beautiful day. Um, The Ah. sky is blue. Isn't it always blue in Los Angeles? Of course, except when it's gray. But other than that, it's always true. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, you see, you know, I'm in Northern California where the sky is blue and it's always blue, so we have to give you a little, you know, a little hit there. But, you know, (laughs) I digress. (laughs) I digress. So, all right, let's talk about this new project. You have had so many successful films. We have talked in the past about how you moved into the film industry and how you kept following what was right in front of you, how you made some choices based on your intuition in a lot of ways. And that has been a great process for you, not without its challenges, but a great and successful process. I mean, some of the films that you have either produced or directed uh, or, or even been a screenwriter on things like What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams, things like Homeless to Harvard, which you produced, The Celestine Prophecy. I mean, you, you have not, you know, worked on things that are small message films. And one of the first films you worked on, was that not um, called Jesus? Was that the first it was. One? It was. It was the Jesus film. Yeah. Okay. And Which that is uh, interesting. To, to date, is still the most widely seen film on the planet. And I know many in our audience are going to say, "What?" Um, but it's true. <laughs> it is. It is true. And it's uh, used as um, a tool to uh, uplift and inspire millions of people across the planet uh, to this day. Isn't that fascinating? It's not fascinating. So, so I want to ask you a question about that film, and then I want to talk about your current project. So, sure. with that film, what motivated you to tell that story in particular? Well, it's not quite as noble or thought out as that. I was a young uh, man, uh, just freshly out of uh, film school and art school, and... Uh, through relationships, um, I got a job. And mm-hmm. I got a job uh, writing a script based on the Gospel of Luke. And uh, before I knew it, uh, it 
had turned into a full-fledged film and was being shot. So it was it was not so much that I initiated it. I was hired as a screenwriter for hire on it. That's pretty fascinating. I don't think many screenwriters could um, tell that part of a story. And so that's an example of where you just kept showing up, where you showed up and put yourself completely into the process, and it was wildly successful. And so right now, your current project is Milton's Secret, and this is this movie, which I love because I was privileged enough to see a pre-screening, is based on the book Milton's Secret, which was written by Eckhart Tolle and Robert Friedman. And most people know that Eckhart Tolle is a very powerful person in the personal development arena, and he has touched so many lives. And so this film, Milton's Secret, there's a bit of, um, oh, you know, there's, there's, a bit of, there's rumors that this is based on Eckhart's childhood. No, there isn't any, you know, confirmation of that or not. You know, a lot of people have opinions. But tell, tell us, Barnett, what led you to this film? What led you to Milton's Secret? Well, first, I can uh, I can lay to rest the rumors. It's not based on uh, Eckhart's childhood. Okay. So, um, so people can either feel um, a sigh of relief or a sigh of regret that they're not going to get an inside look into Eckhart's childhood. <laughs> it, it's an entirely uh, um, it's an entirely fiction. Uh, I was. Uh, shown the galleys to a work of juvenile literature that was written by Eckhart Tolle and Robert Friedman um, by the publisher before it was um, uh, released to the public. And I saw in it, in this uh, small story, the small picture book story, I saw some themes that were of interest to me. And I realized that there were certain ways that I could build out that story and develop that story, ways that would allow me to investigate how I felt about my own relationship to other people, uh, Mm. to uh, ideas, to things, to consciousness, to spirituality, and ways that uh, might support others in discovering more and more of who they are as well. And so I had a meeting with Eckhart, and I explained my vision, and um, he very graciously encouraged me to go forward, and um, I wrote a number of drafts of the script, about 35 drafts of the script, and uh, eventually was satisfied that I had achieved the promise of what initially had... um, turned me on, and I showed it to Eckhart, and he said, oh, wow, this is really something. Let's go ahead. And that's how it began. So it is um, really more about my childhood than it is anybody else, truth be told. Um, mm. There are issues that I live through. I think the, the kinds of issues that are universal, and so I, I believe that when you tell the truth, as intimately and as deeply as you can um, about yourself. It begins to become universal and people can see themselves. Uh, the more closely you observe something, somehow the paradox yeah. or the irony is that the more uh, universal it becomes. And that's that's the gen- that is the genesis of the story. That's how it came to pass. I was interested in, in the uncertainty and the chaos that is uh, more obvious now, although it has always been so. It just seems to be right. much more obvious now. It, is, it seems like the present is not quite as clearly the result of the past as it used to be. And that's mm-hmm. creating a lot, a lot of stresses for lots and lots of people. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to explore that as well. 
the antidote so, to these kinds of stresses and the, the, the solution, if you can call it that, to um, the stress of, of uncertainty lies in developing a relationship with presence, as uh, Eckhart so beautifully has uh, described and written about in um, mm. Power of Now and A New Earth and others. So if you were to uh, sum up what is a very complex issue, but if you were to sum up what this, the headline of this is about, what would you say? It's, um, it's a, a movie about, a story about families and the uncertain times that families live in. Mm-hmm. And so, how does it manifest in this family? Well, here's, here's a story about a, uh, a, a young boy. He's 12 years old. He's um, quite anxious. His parents are having financial and marital problems. And he is also tormented by a bully next door. And so he is um, ridden with anxieties and concerns about the future and re- and. Uh, regrets and shoulda, coulda, wouldas about the past. And along comes uh, his grandfather. His grandfather models for him but doesn't preach an entirely different way of approaching the challenges of life. Grandfather uh, is not someone given to worrying um, or much less so. I'm not going to say he's superhuman, but he uh, dwells less on the past, and he obsesses less about the what-ifs and, uh, uh, and the if-thens that are so common in the world. And the boy, by exposure, discovers firsthand, witnesses that there are other ways to live life. And that mm. is the kind of experience that can change a life forever. So, when, when did you realize this was so much about your own childhood? Well, you know, um, as a storyteller, I can only lens, I can only interpret the world through my own experience or uh, through my imagination, which is also informed by my own uh, life experience. Um, anything that I can conceive of is still an extension of my basic life experience. And so when I imagine how people might respond to various situations, uh, I'm really sharing uh, who I am in, in every moment. And this is true for all of us. Um, for everyone on the planet, it's true for them. We always have what uh, can be called one-person themes. Um, we like to think that there is such a thing as an objective world, and that may or may not be so, but by the time we respond from our uh, thinking and our belief system and our experience, we interpret um, what are fundamentally neutral events in personal ways. So yeah. uh, the story, as it began to get built out, uh, draws upon my own experience as a young boy living in a family uh, with parents who, uh, although they were very, very loving and did their best, uh, the best they could in raising me, were also tugged in different directions about yeah. having to do with the stresses of making a living and, and having a relationship and uh, those kinds of stresses sometimes uh, took them away from uh, an attunement with me as a young boy. And uh, additionally, those kinds of stresses were certain, they provided models for me right. as a young boy. They modeled um, different ways that I took um, as an example for how to live life. I assumed, 
I assume that uh, everybody was stressed, and that was the that was the norm of life. Ah, wow! And so, if you if you step into the world expecting that life is stressful and expecting that some level of anxiety is carried around by everyone. How do you feel about yourself in that as a young adult? Well, as a young adult, it's uh, entirely unconscious. It's completely unconscious. So, um, and it operates in very, very subtle ways. The movie is also about bullying. And there is, of course, the level of bullying that we're um, instantly familiar with in terms of uh, the violence done from uh, one person over another. But there is also the bullying that we do to ourselves in terms of our personal self-talk and our personal thought streams. And the the laying in of that self-talk is mostly unconscious. It's the values and the belief systems that we um, inherit there are almost a hand-me-down. We can, I call, sometimes call them hand-me-down thinking and hand-me-down belief systems that we receive from our parents and our schools and our religious backgrounds and our communities and the entertainment we consume. These things impress upon us a certain worldview Quite unconsciously, we just assume this is the air we breathe. And so as a young child uh, living in a family that has um, certain values and uh, with parents whose attention is distracted um, by their businesses and by their, their issue, their, the challenges of their day, um, the, a young person may feel that this is the state of the world. And it's not a conscious decision. They may also come to feel that when we have parents, for example, who are workaholics, as as is is the case in this movie, uh, this young child, without being, um, without putting it together in a cognitive way, they have an experience of their parents as, as workaholics, their parents as people who sometimes, um, work too hard or miss, uh, miss a meal or they don't eat when they're hungry and they have other priorities. In other words, they treat themselves as objects. If somebody treats themselves as an object, they will also treat others as an object. And if this is the way that uh, you take as for uh, normal as a child, you are going to respond to the world in a very different way than if that wasn't the case. Mm. So all of these conditionings, they happen entirely, entirely without our awareness. And one Mm. of the benefits of becoming aware, which means slowing down and witnessing one's internal uh, thought stream, being aware of one's internal, um, the feelings that are happening inside, slowing down and just watching that is we can begin to develop um, a consciousness about what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And from there, we can begin to ask, is this original with me or is this a hand-me-down? Where did I get this? Why do I necessarily feel stressed or anxious? Why do I necessarily feel that I need to ruminate about tomorrow, that I need to uh, to compulsively feel anxious about what the next moment will bring. Where did I learn that behavior? Yes, yes, of course, I have been trained by my society to believe, but this is all real. And I'm not saying it's not real. But I am saying that, um, by and large, um, obsessive worry or anxiety on creation of, of stress does not alleviate whatever problems and challenges present themselves. It makes it worse. So these are, this is some of the, the cocktail 
of ideas and themes that matter to me and that I'm exploring in my own life and that um, I thought I will not only dig more deeply into personally, but at the same time, uh, it will yield a story that I hope will have some kind of universality and resonate with uh, the audiences that watch it. Well, it's a beautiful story, and we're going to talk about it more with Barnett Bain when we come right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more, old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations with my guest, Barnett Bain, world-renowned film producer and who happens to be a friend of mine. So, you know, I'm lucky. I'm the lucky one. So, Barnett, we are talking about your most recent project, Milton's Secret. It's a fantastic story. And you were sharing with us how it so resonates with you and how you've been able to put a lot of yourself and the learnings you've had over your lifetime into this film. And... Now, I think most people would agree that you can feel that as someone who is watching a film or listening to a story, you can really feel when there is some real truth from the creators of what you're watching, right? And so, you know, I wonder about this whole concept. You mentioned how we are influenced by the entertainment we consume. So what do you think about a lot of the entertainment, what, what passes for entertainment and what people see as entertainment these days um, in the mainstream? What's your perception of all that? <laughs> I'm coughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you don't want to answer, well, you know, just... Actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I am, um, I have a, menu of thoughts and feelings about it. And so in no particular order, uh, I am, um, some, lots of it I'm bored with, mm. and some of it I am um, titillated by, and some of it I consume 
uh, the same way I overconsume um, candy and sugar and cake. And uh, some of it is um, beautiful and inspiring, and some of it also opens me up to um, more of who I can be, either with uh, providing insight or developing compassion or understanding or relatedness to others. So there's a whole range that is available to me. And I also realize that in many ways, my attitude about what is being messaged in entertainment is the same as my attitude about what is being messaged in our educational system, certainly in our political life, now more than ever, uh, only a few short weeks away from an election. Uh, It's very clear that there's lots of dissonance and polarity and expansiveness and constriction that is being modeled in our political arena. And so I don't see that the entertainment business is separate from the discourse that is being mirrored back uh, right across uh, the whole fabric of our culture. Uh, In business, uh, we see uh, varying degrees of integrity, highly integrity, some businesses with high degrees of integrity, some with very low degrees of integrity. So I see it as a shadow play of consciousness, of personal responsibility, of impact, self-awareness, relatedness to others. I see it as a shadow play going from the very, very light to the very, very constricted. And I am also aware that I have impact in the world. We all do. There isn't a human alive that does not have impact in the world and is not able to respond to this uh, gamut, to this spectrum of of, um, self-absorbed, egoic, what's in it for me um, behavior to... How can I improve my lot and the lot of everyone else because I understand from the inside out that we are all one? For some, that is an intellectual conceit, and for some, that is an embodied awareness. And I have some understanding that is slowly increasing and some tolerance that is slowly increasing, slowly. Sometimes I get very triggered like everyone else. But I am increasing my awareness that um, people are doing what they can at the edge of their personal development. And the more aware that we all become, the more uh, clearly we can see the uh, discrepancies both outside of ourselves and within. A long-winded answer to such a clear question. I hope there was some some clarity to be found in that response. Oh, no, there's, that was very clear. That was very clear. And, and, you know, I'm not surprised that your perspective, you know, on the entertainment industry is quite broad um, and that you don't have a, a blanket uh, descriptor for what is out there. Um, you know, I, I, because what that makes me think of is when you said people are doing what people can do, you know, at the edge of their own consciousness, you know, if, if I as an individual can look at either an individual or a message or a film or a news article or whatever, If I can look at those things without being attached to having to find, uh, well, those are stupid things to say, or that is ridiculous, or what is really going on, um, you know, it allows me 
to stay open and not contracted, to stay open and not angry. I don't have to agree, but that's not the point, right? It's about exactly. how, do I, how do I view and how do I observe while staying in the conversation, if I don't get to exit, you know, I have to stay present, but how do I view and observe in the moment when I am engaged so that I can be more than my opinion about yeah. what is happening? Yeah. That make, that make yeah. sense? Yes, exactly. I couldn't, uh, you know, that is so beautifully expressed. That's, a, that's exactly it. It lands in me with such as a, as a gem of such utter truth and wisdom. So that is exactly so. Uh, when I am able to look at messaging, um, the people's motivations, whether it's in the entertainment industry or in politics or in business or in my personal life or the, the person that cuts me off or gives me the finger on the highway, yeah. I have my instinctive reaction, which is the result of uh, my conditioning and my habits and my self-training and the training of my culture. And, um, and then if I look a little deeper, I can also open to uh, uh, an empathy and a compassion that is born out of looking into, well, where are they coming from? What has been their experience? What has been their life experience? Uh, and as the gap between that, my, reaction, my initial reaction and my empathy closes, I become uh, more and more integrated myself. So where are we coming from? Where am I coming from? Where are others coming from? What has given rise to these behaviors? And then that really, what happens there is we begin to, uh, the judgments begin to lose power and empathy and compassion begin to uh, gain energy. Our personal worlds change and the world at large changes. Hmm. So when I think about the political... Uh, I'll try not to say things like the political shenanigans. Oh, I said it. Um, mm-hmm. About the political situation in the U.S. right now. Um, and, and, you know, same kind of game going on around the world in, in many countries. But specifically in the U.S. right now, um, I see such... Uh, not only just divisiveness, but that sense of I'm right, they're wrong, no matter who it is, whether it's a voter or it's a pundit or it's a, uh, you know, someone who's participating in the elective process or it's a candidate, there is such rigidity around I'm right, they're wrong. And as I look at that, it feels like it is, uh, what's embedded in that is fear, absolute fear, and fear of I'm going to have to either give something up or fear of someone else is going to control my life or fear of um, I'm not going to get mine, whatever that is. Yeah. This seems really big. You know, when I hear you talk about each individual, you know, needs to pay attention to themselves and what's going on, I think, well, yeah, right, and we can do that, people can do that, and then I see an entire population of a country doing just the opposite, and I think, oh, my God, is this even possible? You know, can we get there as a country? Now, what is your perspective on this? Well, what I hear you saying, and um, what I hear you saying, and I, I feel very much the same way, is that um, people are responding out of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of uncertainty, um, fear that they're... Um, 
lives are headed along a trajectory that um, um, in, along along which they feel disempowered. Uh, those fears give rise to uh, rigidity and a desire for absolutes and guarantees in life. And when we're young, when we're adolescent, when we're teenagers, developmentally, um, a world full of absolutes and guarantees. I can't go to school in those shoes. I mean, I'm, really, I'll be laughed out of the community or... Uh, yes. I can't believe you're listening to that kind of music or, you know, I'll never fit in. These absolutes and guarantees are developmentally appropriate. Eventually, uh, we have an opportunity to mature beyond the desire, the need for absolutes and guarantees. That's a tough one. And it requires a certain amount of distance. We have to be able to look at ourselves and see the part that craves absolutes and guarantees. Facts are facts, blacks and whites, and no gray areas in between. It's, you know, we have to have an, uh, enough maturity to see that in ourselves and, and in others. And then to have some degree of self-compassion. First self, you can't have compassion for another person uh, greater than the amount of compassion you have for yourself. So I see in myself more and more, I guess I, I do crave absolute certainty. There are certain things that make me so fearful about the unknown that trigger me and uh, produce uh, behaviors, fearful behaviors, self-pitying behaviors, uh, reactive behaviors. I can see that in myself. And I can also have the distance at the same time. It's, it's, a, it's a paradox. I'm feeling it, and at the same time, there's a part of me that says, well, any little boy who had grown up in this sort of circumstances with this sort of life, who grew up with this kind of belief system and worldview and these sorts of experiences, any little boy growing into any young man, to any older man who had had this life experience would feel exactly that way. And so I can understand it and I can have some compassion. I've walked a mile in those shoes. I've walked my whole life in those shoes. So I can have some understanding and some compassion. And now I can have some understanding and compassion for others who are by, at various degrees of looking through their own developmental lens for a solid footing in which they can feel safe mm -hmm. and that their needs are met and the needs and safety of their children are met. I have an opportunity. I can judge them as being... Um, and judge them and label them as being less than or uh, not evolved or uh, un-American or American or, or whatever. I can put labels on it or I can understand uh, the hurt and I can understand the pain and I can understand how uh, rigid worldviews are. I can understand it and I don't have to have the cure for it, because that is, once again, a reliance on absolutes and insurances and guarantees. I can simply understand it and have a greater, greater um, degree of uh, loving acceptance. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to endorse it, but I can understand it and then I can extend love to it. And that is an opportunity that I have to participate and contribute. And... Um, how the world unfolds, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> that is above my pay grade. But I do, um, increasingly I am in tune with a world uh, that is loving. When we step out into nature, there is yeah. interrelatedness that we can see. There is a, a fabric of, of, of um, interwoven experience that we can that we can see and feel and touch and relate to, and uh, the world of uh, being human 
Is it really any different except that we have developed this cognitive capacity to uh, sometimes overthink things and to use that overthinking to try and control the world and uh, through worry and through anxiety? That's one aspect of that. So uh, I begin to refashion a worldview from the hand-me-down worldview that I pick up from the outside world, from my family, from my religious and educational traditions, from my media exposure, from, from uh, the life that, uh, that I have experienced from the past, begin to refashion it piece by piece into um, one of understanding, self-understanding, and uh, a sense of understanding and compassion, or the willingness to be compassionate to others and a sense of the interrelatedness of all things that I can more easily see in nature. Mm. And, uh, let, and I can begin to let go of that cognitive over-functioning and allow uh, forces greater than my own to have access to penetrate through the walls of my mental conditioning mm. and allow myself to feel uh, a, a, a degree of greater degree of well-being than ever before. And maybe, just maybe, uh, that will have a systemic impact. Just maybe. I'm not saying. I don't know the answer to that. But I have an intuition that uh, we as individuals matter in ways beyond anything that we can conceive of through our intellect. I believe there are intelligences beyond simply intellect, yeah. that intellect is one tier of uh, development, and we are a little bit hung up on it. So basically, what you're saying is, don't worry about everybody else, look at yourself, show up fully, develop awareness, and um, maybe that will have an influence of what you get back. And one by one, each of us has the opportunity to influence or not, but to specifically influence ourselves. Yes. Um, I mean, our idea of ourselves begins to change. We begin yeah. to um, increasingly understand my relationship to everyone else and everything else, and slowly my um, personality-driven sense of self begins to expand. And so all of these yeah. themes are very, very much what Milton's Secret is about and what it explores. Uh, this is really the underpinning of what the movie is and why it was created. Yeah, yeah. We have more to talk about with Barnett Bain and about his new film, Milton's Secret, when we come right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Get a unique and playful insider's take on the biggest stories in tech, media, and entertainment. Join Lori H. Schwartz, well-known technology catalyst, comedian, and geek girl, as she and leading experts in the media and content business dive into the biggest stories in technology trends, consumer behaviors, and its impact on Hollywood. If you're looking to respond to the tech-fueled changes in the marketplace, 
Then tune in to the Tech Cat Show Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business and syndicated to Voice America Women's Channel. Do you feel overwhelmed by money? Not how much you have, but how to talk about it? We face financial decisions every single day that can change the game for us. Listen for Making Money Fun with Shanna Tinjum. You'll learn more about what you can do with your money and ultimately what it can do for you. Don't cower under a rock about investing in personal finance. Talk about it with your family, your friends, and more. Listen every Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Escobedo with my very special guest, filmmaker Barnett Bain, whose latest project is phenomenal. It is a film named Milton's Secret, and it's based on a book written by Eckhart Tolle and Robert Friedman. Barnett, you've put so much of yourself into this film, and the message is beautiful, but so is the the telling of it and the collection of actors that you have pulled together is phenomenal. I mean, simply looking at um, one of the main actors, other than, you know, the boy who plays Milton, but, you know, Donald Sutherland? Wow. I was so impressed, and I have to say, <laughs> I was, uh, yes, and I was so privileged to, to be able to see a pre-screening of the film, and he was phenomenal in this. And, you know, and the perfect person. But I, I think that you did such a good job of really identifying the ensemble and the chemistry there. So I imagine that's an important piece of filmmaking, right? Well, I think it's the... Uh, everything, everything else being equal, it's the first among equals. If you get it cast right, and that is the... Um, probably the most important thing. Mm. So you're very close to the world premiere and the opening weekend. So tell us a bit about when that is and how that's The movie opens um, today. I know that we're um, airing today, September 30th, and this is the uh, day that uh, the movie has its world premiere at a gala event at the Vancouver International Film Festival tonight, September 30th. And it also opens um, in select theaters and uh, on video on demand and online the same day, also September 30th. So it will be available on uh, Amazon and iTunes and Dish Network and on all of the usual uh, suspects for direct well, viewing as well yeah. as select theaters. And for those theaters, people can uh, check their listings or they can go to www.miltonsecret.com and uh, watch trailers and uh, all kinds of other good stuff on there. All right. That sounds wonderful. So, and people, I'm sure, will want to know more about you and the books you've written. Uh, and we talked the last time that we had the show, and people are going to have to go back and listen to it, um, about your most recent book, which is the book of Doing and Being, Rediscovering Creativity in Life, Love, and Work, which was fabulous. And so I encourage everyone to go to your personal website, and that is barnettbain.com, right? Yes, www.barnettbain, barnettbain.com. Thank you, Cheryl, for bringing that oh, up. Yeah. Oh, it's a fabulous book, and it just it fits so well with the way you've developed this film and everything you work on. So it's just absolutely, uh, I'm so touched by your work. Besides really loving you, but that's, that's beside the point. You, know, it's like mm-hmm. you are, yeah, right, you know, I mean, you are the, um, the kind of person that 
is so intentional. And also, you know, you take the work seriously, but you don't take yourself seriously. And I think that that's important for us all to learn. You know, we have to be willing to learn without the the sense that uh, it has to be painful and it has to be filled with angst. It can be filled with wonder. And you do such a good job of that. And I think that's really one of the keys with Milton's secret, you know, and the whole concept of learning through a sense of wonder rather than learning through being preached at. Oh, and that's so beautifully presented in this film. So I, I hope that people really do take advantage of the opening weekend and um, today, Friday, September 30th, opening gala, right. which is, yeah, right, invitation only, but that is in Vancouver, but it's opening across the U.S. and via the web online, on demand, so it's opening across the world. It's a worldwide premiere. That's Milton's secret. Be here now. Arnett Bain, you are a gem. Thank you so much for being with us today. It has been a privilege, a privilege, and it always is to have you here with us. So thank you. Uh, I hope I, I know I can say this in front of your audience. I love you and a big hug to you and to Mark. Thank you for having oh, me. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And remember, everyone, to think big. The world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. To Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 